0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast.
1: Hello, lively, lucky, and loyal listeners. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 118, and I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your Happy and harmonious hosts hoping to harp about happenings and hullabaloo.
2: Hello, I'm Colin.
1: I'm Dana. And no Chris this week. He is uh, at another video game event peddling his fine wares. (laughs) (laughs) He's uh, selling his uh, hawking, uh, hawking, hawking his his, uh, used video game collection. So hopefully he's uh, making some good money from it. So, we did not have a full episode last week. We had a mini-sode. And that's because usually we record on Sundays... And we had our meetup that yeah. Sunday, so we couldn't do a full show. But did you guys have fun? Yeah, that was great. That was a lot of fun.
2: It was great. I. It was so many just cool people, like the first meetup we had.
1: I think for the Vegas meetup, we had uh, 30, 40 people. This meetup was 100.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: My whole family came. Yeah, it was
2: so cute. <laughs> Someone <laughs> brought his parents. His parents were yes! visiting oh, from India, India and uh-huh. he brought them along. It was, it, I was just, I was touched. That they was were like, really cute. Yeah, they were cute. The
1: mom was like, we were supposed to go to Monterey, but I think this was much better.
2: <laughs> oh, so cute. I felt bad I couldn't talk to everybody, um, but yeah. everyone I talked to, it was just cool. I had a great time. Yeah, and was, my math really cool. teacher
1: was there. Yeah. My seventh grade science teacher was there as well. It was really random. There was an yeah. impromptu
2: Harry Potter trivia contest. Yeah.
1: Um, Scarlet. Yeah. One and uh, let's see, we had a couple people who were doing the, some Disney races, which I was very excited. I was like, "Oh yeah. yay!" Karen made this awesome poster of a
3: beaver um, looking over its shoulder in a very come hither kind of way, and you stick your arm <laughs> into, into its, its butt, f- yeah, the prize hole, the prize to, hole, to yeah, pull out
1: a prize. Yeah, <laughs> I
3: hope everybody liked that. That yeah. was my favorite prize. I think that was
2: that was one of the highlights. Of what the was day. it?
3: You said the people at Kinko's were laughing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I had I ordered that. It was a giant board. And so I didn't know if I was ready or not, so I called FedEx Office, a.k.a. Kinko's, and I was like, hey, guys, you know, I was wondering if one of my print jobs is done. And they're like, <laughs> are you Karen? And I was like, <laughs> yes. And they're like... Oh my God! They propped up the beaver butt in like their staff <laughs> workroom because they thought it was so funny. It was like, I was like, I don't know why you made this, but we thought it was really funny that your beaver had a very distinct butthole. And I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. But anyway, so uh, it was great. Thanks to all of you guys who showed up and uh, hopefully we'll be doing these more. So last week, because of that, I had a mini episode and I actually, in our mini episode, I made a music puzzle and now it's the time to reveal the solution. I'll give a recap of uh, what I did. So it was a music puzzle and what I did was I played four clips of songs and I said that was in order. The answer should be a two word solution and I'm going to do the walkthrough. This is how you would solve the puzzle. So first, you have to identify the songs. Either you can Shazam it, or you can type in the lyrics in the final songs. The four songs in order are Basket Case by Green Day, Right Here by Justin Bieber, Tomorrow is a Long Time by Bob Dylan, and My Name is Jonas by Weezer. And so I had a couple of hints um, in the episode, and also I posted some hints on, on our site as well. The first hint I said was the fact that I had to triple reference something about the songs using Wikipedia, iTunes, and Amazon. Uh, the second hint was that it's in order. And the third hint was zero equals A. So here's what my triple reference clue uh, came into play. After you identify all the songs, you know you think, well, what kind of information would those three services provide right. for mm-hmm. the songs? And why would I need three of them to triple check something? And a lot of people got it. It was track length. It was song length. Oh. And what I didn't know was that there is no database that tells you how long. You can't search songs by song length. Mm. There's oh. no database. And it'll sometimes look, it'll, it'll even the subtly way. vary. Exactly. And that's, that's why I had to fact check with three different sources. Because mm. on iTunes, it would list as three minutes, like three oh oh. But then on Wikipedia, it would say 301. So solvers uh, probably knew they were onto something because they would notice that the first and third song had the same track length. And the second and fourth song also had the same track length. Mm. So it's 301 for the first song, 324 for the second song, 301 again for the third song, and 324 for the fourth song. And now, this is where the second clue came in play. These songs are in order. So when you write out all the track lengths in order, you get 301, 324, 301, 324. 0 equals A. So oh. then you sub in letters. 0 equals A, 1 equals B, 2 equals C, and so mm-hmm. forth. So then, you know, three o that means it's D-A. However, some letters are represented by two digits instead of one. Yeah. So N is 13, 1-3. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after decoding, you get... Dance, dance, <laughs> and that is the solution. A lot of you guys sent in the correct solution on day one. I think it was just hours after that episode got published, and we all never underestimate
2: it. our listeners.
1: Yeah, like yeah. I, I was thinking, I was like, man, I'm, I might have made it too hard, but congrats to you guys. Good work. Uh, special congrats to the first twenty five who wrote in with the right answer. You guys all won a prize that I will be sending out. So, so yeah, hope everybody enjoyed that little brain buster nice all right without further ado let's jump into our first general trivia segment pop quiz hot shot here i have a random trivial pursuit card dana versus colin (laughs) you guys have your uh morning zoo radio buzzers here we go let's answer some questions blue wedge for geography what sanskrit greeting means i bow to you
2: oh interesting uh is that namaste
1: yes oh namaste i never knew what that meant i thought it was something like aloha
3: because people always say it at the beginning and end at of end. A yoga <laughs> <laughs> classes
1: i was like i don't know hello and goodbye yeah yeah i bow to you very literal yeah so, okay pink wedge for pop culture what chart topper was sung by a group of musicians who dubbed themselves USA for Africa?
2: Oh, oh. Uh, that That's We Are the World.
1: We are yeah. the children. That was a good video. It was like a star studded video.
2: Man. Star studded project. It really, that, I, it's hard to overstate how big a deal that was. At Wasn't the time. Dan Ackroyd yeah.
1: in, in it too? Was he? I, I think, think so. so. It was there like were non- ran, everybody yeah. who was, it was like non- somewhat famous. There. Yeah, there yeah. were definitely
2: non non musicians. Yeah. 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 Was like whoever
1: was famous in that time frame yeah. was
2: in the video. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, Yellow Wedge. What member of OJ Simpson's dream team said, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit.
2: <laughs>
1: Johnny Dang. Cochran. Yes. Johnny Co- oh, Dream Team, not. No. no oh. his, his dream legal defense team. Oh, yeah. legal Dream Team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Purple Wedge. What fictional pirate goes by the nickname Barbecue and Sea Cook?
2: Bar- fictional pirate. Fic- it must be like a food product or something
3: fictional pirate name barbecue barbecue i don't are we What's on
2: the right name, track barbecue? is it is it something food I related mean, how
1: many kind of <laughs> actually it's
3: kind of food related it yeah. probably yeah it seems like a bar maybe a barbecue sauce of some sort oh no no no!
1: this what? is a fictional pirate name oh just name fictional pirates you know, uh, captain, know uh, captain long john Hussle. silver yes yeah. long john silver oh, okay. uh, which is a name of a chain yeah, so i was like yeah. well it is kind of food related, okay. but that's not why. Long John Silver, he appears in Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island. Oh, he was originally a cook. Long John
2: Silver was originally a cook. Ah, okay. Right. So the fast food franchise is maybe kind of, right. on kind point. of
1: yeah. 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 All right, Green Wedge for science. How long does it take a human blood cell to make a complete circuit of the human body? Multiple choice. Okay. Uh-huh. One minute, five minute, or 10 minutes?
2: minutes that's complete <laughs> circuit of the body
1: one five or ten
2: like i'm trying to imagine uh, how far it moves every time my heart beats <laughs> um, five,
1: five minutes incorrect like,
3: oh
2: minutes. i was gonna say uh one minute one minute what? really wow, that Isn't doesn't that, that does it's going fast. fast yeah blood moves baby
1: that's nuts that's fast <laughs> all right last question orange wedge what brand of sneakers did Sly Stallone... I don't know why I just didn't say Sylvester Stallone.
0: <laughs> Sorry. They're what, trying to
1: be cool. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what brand of sneakers did Sylvester Stallone wear as he ran up the steps of the Philadelphia Museum of Art in Rocky? Oh,
2: man. When he hmm.
1: runs up and he's like, yeah, yeah. I did
2: it.
1: In no the idea. Huh.
2: I'll,
1: I've never watched that movie. So. <gasps> I'll, it's good.
2: I'll mm. guess uh, Adidas. Incorrect. Mm. Reeboks. It's very iconic. Iconic Nike, Nike. It is converse. Oh, okay, okay. They
1: were a high top black Chuck Taylor. That makes
2: so much. Fun. It's just so oh, so yeah. blue collar, so American. yes yeah. uh, Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Regular
1: okay. athletic. All right, all right. Good job, brains. Disclaimer, everybody. Usually before we record uh every episode of Good Job, Brain, I will down an energy drink. Um, <laughs> today I did not because Karen, I got.
2: She calls it her go go juice. Yeah,
1: my yeah. go go juice. This is why I'm very energetic on the show. But today I have um, not energy drink, but these are energy chocolates I got called Energems. They're like large M&Ms. Yeah. And they come in a box. Three of them equals a, a cup of coffee and I had 4. So <laughs> okay.
2: we'll I've had 3. See. I've had 3. Okay. I had we'll one. see how this goes. I feel woozy, a little buzzy. I'm glad I looked up how much caffeine is in each one before I just had like a handful of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly
1: because they're like M&Ms, and there's peanut butter and there's mint and there's like a normal chocolate one. It's like a large M&M. So, just giving everybody a disclaimer if later in the show <laughs> we're like, "Whoa!" it's cuz of uh, the caffeinated chocolate that I got. So, today's topic is kind of weird. I was inspired a couple of episodes ago, we had a weird headline about people putting live frogs in milk to to keep the longevity of the milk, I guess. Um, And how there is science to back that up that, you know, the peptides and whatever awesomeness is on the frog skin (laughs) uh, or secretions do actually make milk keep better. So today's episode, I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Let's talk about milk and dairy products. We'll, we'll see. I'm not really sure what we're all going to talk about because it's always a surprise. So this week's topic is going to be legendary. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Get out. Hold on to your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> my milkshake brings all the boys.
2: Well, I'll start us off here. I have a news story that okay. uh, that led into some very interesting scientific research. That's that, not the frog. That it, it is not related to frogs, okay. um, but it is related to uh, milk production. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the title of the article that I saw, this was in uh, the Independent, the UK newspaper. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Cows make more milk when listening to slow jams.
3: <laughs> oh,
2: yeah? <laughs> Don't we all? I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what slow jams are for. That's right. Uh. So, so naturally, yes, I, I had to learn more about cows making more milk while listening to slow jams. Uh, so with a little <laughs> bit more detail provided from Modern Farmer magazine, uh, the story, uh, all it goes back to, originally to a study from 2001. Researchers at University of Leicester in England found that slow music played in a dairy farm environment could increase cow's milk production by up to 3%.
1: With scale, I mean three percent. You're like, oh, that's not that much. But
2: with scale, if you have like a
1: large dairy farm, and it's being
2: produced by an animal in particular. Mm -hmm. And so it turns out that like this is not this in and of itself uh, is kind of anecdotally well known among dairy farmers around the world that not necessarily specifically slow music or slow jams, but a lot of dairy farmers will say, oh yeah, we play music for the cows. It kind of calms them down. It soothes them. At the most basic level, it's as simple as well. You know dairy farms can be noisy places. it kind of covers up background mm. noise, machinery or other people or whatever yeah and it does it also calms them down and a a cow under stress produces less milk okay. and and you know mm. dairy farmers understand this can kind of see that that music can calm them down mm-hmm. but what kind of music is best <gasps> did like, they try it with different the, genre this is the part where they had never really scientifically undertaken a look at what exactly holy cow <laughs> so i'll jump to the chase here <laughs> uh-huh. i think i gave it away in the headline slow music turns out to be better and it kind of makes sense i mean just slow music or slow jams? yeah
1: slow jams is a very specific type of music yeah. like that's like is it like Barry d'angelo Ray, yeah. boys yeah. to men
2: yeah like... <laughs> so i'm so So glad you asked. Yes. Uh, It's not, as I looked into it, it turns out it's not really slow jams. I think the way that the three of us would call it a slow jam, it really was just slower music in general, kind of more melodic, a little bit slower, a little bit easygoing. And it it makes sense. It's more soothing. Mm -hmm. So the, the university of Leicester researchers, they tested out a, a, a lot of different songs from different artists. Apparently REM's, Everybody Hurts was cited as a particularly <gasps> effective song for her increasing milk production. Wow.
0: Oh,
3: the cows really are like, sad. yeah, the cows are like, tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> like,
2: Everybody does hurt. Yeah. <gasps> that you was know? their most cited. Yeah. They also said, I guess, um, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Again, Simon Garfunkel, highly effective. These are effective. emo cows. Yeah.
1: These cows,
3: like, really want to feel the they struggle. They should have played some Elliot Smith in the scene. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, it being scientifically minded, they also tested out fast songs like club hits and, you know, okay. like Euro, you know, Euro club songs. And those had no increase in production. Uh, The article I read that they specifically singled out the song Horny by Moose T and Hot and Juicy (laughs) did not. Did not appreciably increase cow's milk production. And then uh, a little bit more recently, there was a somewhat related, uh, not not quite so scientific, but there was a study. Uh, it was really a contest uh, undertaken by the British Columbia in Canada, the British Columbia Dairy Association. Uh, in 2012, they they ran a contest called "Music Makes More Milk" as part of a promotional campaign, huh. kind of mm-hmm. just to raise dairy awareness. And it was it was sort of silly, but they uh, they had a good method, I thought. So what is they set up a website and uh, they asked the public to come create songs. They had like That's a little cool. interactive music sequencer with different instrument sets and you would go on the website, you would create your tune, uh-huh. and the idea is They'll create a song cows. that you think is going to be conducive to cows producing more milk. That's pretty okay. cool. So uh, people came on, they created a bunch of songs. The, the first round of sort of voting or nominating was done by humans. Okay. Okay. So they had the human panel that, that whittled the list down to the top five like what were the top five vote getting songs that all the people voted on and then they put it to a jury of cows Uh uh, a jury of Holsteins uh, and they they played the cows each of the five finalist songs and then they measured their milk production and they tallied the winner of out of all the fan submissions uh, a song called a moo down milk lane (laughs) (laughs) came out on top now I'd like to just play you guys just a a okay. few seconds, if yeah, I may. I really um, want to hear A moo down milk lane. All
1: right. <laughs> Hopefully we won't lactate. <laughs> yeah.
3: It makes everybody make milk.
2: And that is what the cows judged to be the winner. Oh, can
1: we put... Okay. Do they put lyrics to it? I don't know if it's been lyricized. Lyric. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> moo, 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 moo. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, it, it kind of opened my eyes that uh, this has been such a uh, research topic. But it sounds like <laughs> there's still a lot of room left for experimentation. So listeners... If you are a dairy farmer and play music for your cows, we want to hear what music you play. Yeah. yeah! I want to hear if, like, somewhere there's got to be some rebel cow, you know, and she's like, no, I prefer Megadeth, man. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, so I totally didn't realize this until this morning, Colin, when you told me. So, just to prepare everybody, my segment is on breast milk. Okay. All right. Um, Some couple of cool stories and facts but uh, I realized, Colin, you told me today that
2: dairy, the word dairy, is a very
1: specific
2: term. Yeah, I was talking about this with my wife and I, and she's like, is breast milk dairy? And like, she had just been looking at something, I'm like, hmm. And it turns out, no, Like, dairy has a very specific connotation. Mm-hmm. It's not just anything milk, it's something that's farmed or produced or processed for human consumption and, yeah. and mm-hmm. not, not mechanized. That's the wrong word, but there's a process made out of it. Yeah. And a, and
1: a function.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But, you know, I was like, well, technically every milk is type of breast milk, <laughs> to be honest. And and for this mm-hmm. section, I'm obviously going to talk about human breast milk. So my first uh, approach to this topic was uh, I was like, well, okay you know what? Nipple's a funny word. Where did nipple come from? (laughs) It is a funny word. I I, agree. It is. I don't know if it's because I don't know if it's because the nipple body part is funny or giggle worthy, but the word nipple sounds funny. It really does. Stipple is funny too. Stipple is funny. Yeah. Nipple. Nozzle. Yeah. 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 Um, It's a weird sounding word. I just kind of, in the back of my head, I thought it was like something with nipping. You know, uh, like biting or... Hmm. Interesting. Puppies nip. I I never never thought about it. it. Yeah, Maybe it's because babies nip when when they're drinking milk. Okay. Is that where it came from? It's not. Nipple, Uh uh, the old version of the word, spelled N-Y-P-P-E-L-L, Nippel, Nippel. Nippel. It's an old word from like the 1500s. huh And um, it was probably a diminutive term of neb, which means bill or beak or snout or any body protrusion.
2: Okay. So neb. So okay. a
1: small neb. nepel okay. ah. Your little nubbin. Nub. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And uh, here's a fun fact. The slang term... Back in the 16th century, for a woman's nipples, was Oh, <laughs> That
2: sounds so much classier. Yeah.
1: It does. Like little cherries, cherillettes. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so, funny. Um, so do with that what you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Diving into the world of breast milk, I found this headline, which I thought was fantastic. It says, gene doctors milk mice yield human breast milk protein
2: <laughs> Wait, i just oh. imagine a tiny little like milking machine with mice hooked up to it, it. is
1: exactly <laughs> that here's some context it's not like they just decide to to milk mice <laughs> just for the fun of it yeah. yeah um there's a experimental farm in russia and this is from uh, the national geographic there is a protein called lactoferrin that uh, breastfeeding women, human
2: humans, human women, yeah, human uh-huh. women <laughs> sure.
1: make, and it, and it protects babies from viruses and bacteria while the infant's immune systems are still developing. So this protein is really key to nourishing um, newborn babies. And so the aim and the goal of this research is to extract lactoferrin from milk and use that protein to use in baby formula. Mm. So it's not like we're going to feed our babies mice milk. Like they're trying to mass produce or, or get more of this lactoferrin from different sources other than humans uh, to hopefully incorporate into baby formulas. And so this is the difference between how much lactoferrin human makes and mice make. So, so breastfeeding human mothers typically produce five, grams of lactoferrin per liter modified mice milk has 160 grams per liter wow five versus 160 something about the mice and the proteins and the way they produce milk makes more um Hmm. and this is of course you know modified mice obviously we're in early stages because these are mice and it's very (laughs) inefficient um there is actually a picture there is a, a mouse on a palm And what they have to do is they have to anesthetize the mouse and then put little tubes, like Colin said, (laughs) on its nipples and then milk the, the, the mouse milk that way yeah, I can, yeah it must be
2: a pretty low yield yeah, yeah
1: super inefficient <laughs> I want everybody to go look up that picture it's very funny it Aww. is this one <laughs> mouse that is asleep with all these little tubes coming out from his nipples <laughs> Just her
3: from, nipples from her nipples that's true wow they the really boys. modified this mouse yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> amazing and he's listening to everybody hurts by yeah. <laughs>
1: our oh. <laughs> Bridge over troubled (laughs) We got to combine these experiments together. Then we get super mouse milk. Mm. (laughs) And then my final kind of a breastfeeding fact. uh, I'm sure Chris, if Chris were here, he probably have heard of it because he is about to be a father. Do you guys know what witch's milk is?
2: Witch's milk. Witch's milk. Witch's milk. Is it like, it's like pseudo milk or like fake milk? It's real milk. Hmm. Do you think Chris is making witch's milk? No. Is that-
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like, why would Chris know about this? <laughs> okay. Uh, there is a phenomenon when a mother is pregnant. Obviously, the mother has hormones, you know, going nuts in her body. So, Lavi's hormones will cross over through the placenta into the baby, uh-huh. right? And so the child is taking in the same chemicals until the baby is born and then these hormones are cut off. What this means is while a mom is pregnant, the mom's breasts are preparing for feeding. And so it's making these hormones and it's getting ready. Uh, The pre-born baby is also soaking up the same hormones. So when the child is born, it still has estrogen running in the baby's system, which means sometimes... The baby has a bit of breast milk oh. in its boobs. Really? Regardless of gender. Ah. Yeah. Men can lactate. Yeah,
3: as
2: men well. can yeah. lactate. Yeah. We got all the right equipment.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <They're> just, <laughs> just, <laughs> <you're> wired <laughs> it up. some hormones. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So a lot of Kay. newborn babies, they will generate and have ah. milk Aww. in their
2: baby breasts. And that's the witch's milk. And that
1: is known as witch's milk.
2: I could see that uh, being the topic of superstition. be like, whoa! Yeah, yeah. Where did that come from?
1: (laughs) So there you go. Wow. Some breastfeeding. Fun facts! Man.
3: Woo! (laughs) Did you know that um, putting cabbage in your bra, if you're nursing, if you have too much milk, it'll help dry up your milk?
1: <laughs> that sounds like an old wife's tale no, really it's real wait does it soak it up or does it just stop it helps
2: stop it why am i touching my boots i
3: know i <laughs> feel like empathetic it's hard of why I like. Just...
2: and then if you get hungry on the subway you got like a little <laughs> salad too <laughs>
1: it's cool guys i got yeah. some cabbage in my bra <laughs> <laughs>
3: i'm about that age where a lot of my friends have babies so <laughs> this is the kind of stuff he yeah. <laughs> learned I've been waiting for my moment to tell you about cabbage. I'd never heard that before. <laughs> I have
2: never heard that. Yeah. yeah, I have never heard that.
1: Would lettuce work? Or uh, Kale? What they're
3: about very
2: kale? specific about cabbage. Red I don't cabbage. know. Couple Brussels sprouts, yeah. maybe.
1: <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe for a future show we'll we'll verify that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now are we talking red cabbage or? <laughs>
1: no, it's like a litmus test, yeah. like a
2: science class litmus test. <laughs> red cabbage juice i'll go one green one red yeah,
1: yeah. Is it acidic or is it alkaline anyways all right let's take a quick break
0: a word from our sponsor traffic jams tailgating pile-ups oh the joys of driving how could it get worse the federal government wants to have a say in what you drive that's right The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit EnergyCitizens.org, paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Good Job Brain and this week we're utterly fantastic because we're talking about dairy. <laughs> Moo.
2: <laughs> we're milking it for all it's worth. Yeah, wonders. there you yeah.
1: go. Oh, good.
3: So, in trying to figure out what I was going to talk about for the for a dairy episode, I looked around. There's all sorts of little facts that I found like the winners of the Indy 500 have been offered milk since 1955. That's the first drink they're supposed to have. There was one year where yeah. a guy won and he had an orange grove, so he had orange juice. And then they were like, oh, "It's not cool. You can't break the legend just because you have an orange grove." And so he drank milk after. I don't know if he drank it immediately after because orange juice and orange milk juice and be, milk
2: back to back, not good. Wait, gross.
1: is so it's tradition that all the winners drink milk?
2: Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. it
1: a photo op
3: thing? Yeah,
2: it is. And the cameras were it all there. Them. And sometimes they'll, like, pour it over their heads and they'll, yeah.
3: But it's because um, there was a racer in the 30s who would always request buttermilk at the inn. Oh! And people, the milk, uh, the dairy, the local dairy didn't know that it was buttermilk specifically. So they were sending milk because this guy won, like, three times in a row. And so they were like, "Oh, you should have milk, just like ah, this guy." And it became a, a tradition. Thing. It's a tradition oh. now.
2: I'm pretty sure what they do. I've seen this on some sports sites before. Is they they ask all the drivers ahead of time, "What's your milk preference in case yeah. you win?" So they have this like master yeah. spreadsheet of this guy likes whole milk, this guy oh, likes oh, low non-fat, fat. this yeah. guy likes low-fat, this yeah. guy likes buttermilk. Yeah.
1: What about chocolate milk? Does anybody
3: drink chocolate milk? Cool. That's a good question. Wikipedia oh. did not list that as one of the options oh, for milk, okay. but that would be a good twist. It's still milk, yeah. so
1: there should be okay. What if someone is lactose intolerant? That seems a little Yeah, cool. they wouldn't
3: give you soy milk. This is like a local dairy. Is, yeah, okay. uh, they just mix delicious. up
2: some Elmer's glue and water. Right.
3: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just drink this. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> it's non-toxic. Another one was Louis Pasteur, the, the man who kind of discovered pasteurization. How do you process milk to kill the bacteria in it that would have hurt? people figured out about pasteurization or discovered pasteurization when he was um, working on figuring out why beet root wine was going bad huh what? wine made from beets, beets. yeah okay All they, right. they were like oh it's very sour this beet wine that we've been drinking he so looked like it was turning yeah and so he looked and he realized that there were microbes that um, microbes in the bad wine that are the same microbes that are in, in and a lot of kinds of vinegar. What if we heat it at a certain temperature for it's a certain amount a of time? Ah. And so we figured out pasteurization, and then they applied that to milk. Because milk was a big transmitter of TB for a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then another tidbit I saw about Monterey Jack cheese. So it's named for Monterey, California, the place that there were Franciscan uh, monks okay. who figured out how to make this soft white kind of cheese. I semi- love Monterey hard. Jack. It's delicious. I love Jack cheese. Jack is named for a guy... From Monterey, who bought basically the whole town and was a terrible landlord, and he owned all <laughs> all the dairies. His
2: name was David Jack. Wait, Jack was his last name.
3: Jack was his last name. Monterey Jack cheese. He he had a bunch of dairies, so he named the cheese after himself, and then it kind of just became Monterey Jack cheese. He
1: was an a hole. <laughs> he
3: was a, it's a worst landlord. He must. He was very exploitative. He was taking advantage of people during the the land dispute stuff with. With
2: Mexico and Spain and California. And the yeah.
3: cheese is named after him? The cheese is named after him. So
2: delicious. I don't think I, 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 or I definitely did not know it was his last name. I assumed it was like Monter- do, Monterey Jack Carlson or Monterey yeah. Jack Rodriguez or something, but it's no David Jack. He was Scottish. Monterey wow. Jack. Yeah. Monterey Jack. So when you're Jack. eating
1: Monterey Jack cheese, namesake of an. A-hole. Yeah. And then
3: other interesting thing I saw about dairy was in uh, Milwaukee, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, they have really cold winters. They're also a huge cheese uh, producer in America. So now they're experimenting with spreading cheese brine in the streets to help melt the snow. Because cheese brine has a lower freezing point than um, salt brine. And it's also also really cheap because they have a ton of cheese brine
1: (laughs) left over. Oh, I see. So, So it's just like the salt water they have... The cheese yeah. gets soaked in. Uh, but usually yeah. they just throw it out.
3: Yeah, they would just throw it out. But they're like, oh, maybe we can use this. Mm. It's maybe better for the environment. Mozzarella and provolone uh, are the best. Uh, okay, apparently, the all right. Cheesy. Yeah.
0: And so does it, that
1: mean your, the whole street smells like cheese? Uh, a little bit. Okay. Not, not a
3: lot, but a little bit. And I was like, oh, what about the mice? Did you know mice do not really like cheese? Oh, that was another thing I found out. have been
2: lying to me. They what? have
3: been lying. Yeah, mice like sweet things or oats or grains. That's what they really want. And I was looking around, and people are like peanut butter. Mice oh, yeah, will I've, go yeah, crazy yeah, for heard, peanut I've butter. Yeah, yeah. Cheese, not so much. If there are other things that are like in the oats or fruit region of food, like they'll go for that. They don't really want cheese. This maybe came from medieval times. Sorry, I did a lot of cheese research. <laughs> fell, <laughs>
2: fell down the cheese. I hole. fell
3: down a cheese, cheese hole. hole during medieval times. Maybe cheese was the only food that mice could get to because mm. the meat was salted and hanging, uh, and then the oats were in glass jars. Uh, and so, like the only other food that people would see mice eating was cheese. And it was like <laughs> cheese or starve. And so
2: just <laughs> now so it's like, what are you gonna do?
1: Yeah, it's like I read that um, cats don't drink milk. I mean, cats like milk. Milk tastes good to yeah. animals, but. Usually it's not good to give milk to cats because they are lactose intolerant, like many animals Mm -hmm. in the world are. They like the taste, but they're not going to like how it feels afterwards. Right,
2: right. I don't know know what to believe in anymore.
3: I know. I I don't. Boom. Mic drop. That's all of the things I learned (laughs) about cheese and milk today. (laughs) Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast.
1: But it's not just conspiracies. There's a lot of cool mysteries that we will attempt to use science to explain, such as near-death experiences, what made the Vikings go berserk,
3: and can I control my co-host with MK Ultra? Wait, what? <laughs> anyway, make sure to check out the Mischief Everything podcast everywhere where you find your podcasts.
1: And we have one last segment, Colin. What you got?
2: All right, let me ask you guys a question. Do you know what a gable top carton is? Oh,
3: it's a milk carton. It
2: is the specific name for the shape of the classic square milk carton. It's called a paper. Yep, with the little angled, and you fold it back. It's called Mm -hmm. a gable top, like a gable on a house.
1: Oh, okay. It looks like a roof on the house. Okay, that
2: makes sense. Yeah. And so I got really interested thinking about this because you know you go to the store, get a container of water. It's usually round. You get a container of beer, usually round, can of soda, wine Mm -hmm. bottle. Like, so many of our liquids are round, but milk, for many, many, many parts of the world, and especially in the US, is square. And, you know, in the last few years, Mm -hmm. like you get juices and orange juice and stuff and square cartons. But for the longest time, this was just the province of milk, that classic square shape. So it's it's really interesting to me, like the history of milk packaging in a lot of ways is kind of a a microcosm of our changing views on hygiene and sanitation and automation and uh, industrialization. Let's just lay out some facts here. Uh, Americans drink a lot of milk. America, America we like milk. And we always have, like going back and, you know, we're not the only country. Early on, you know, if you lived on a farm, obviously, a farm with cows, that is, it's a lot easier to get your own milk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going way back, even to the earliest days of cities, the further you get away from the farm, you need someone, you need milk, you have to find a way to get milk. And that's why, you know, the occupation of milkman is one of the oldest occupations in modern society. It's not the oldest profession. Hey, now. <laughs> Uh, but you know the the original milkman is maybe not what you think of when you kind of picture the classic you know milkman carrying the bottles of yeah, milk. With the yeah with that shirt and the, the shirt bow tie yeah. and yep. a little hat. Yep. 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 Know, it's very 50s. Mm-hmm. As late as as late as like the late 1800s, you know, here in the states. The the milkman was the guy who drove around a wagon. Came through to the neighborhoods and carried the milk in big buckets. Like those large size, you know, milk cans that you would see. That they, okay. they weren't in individual packages. You know, he would come up, pull up at the curb, whatever, and you would come out to him, oh. pay him, and you would have your own container. And the milkman would ladle out the milk to you into your container. <gasps> That's why people got TB. you would pay for what you got and, <laughs> and, and no refrigeration. He would in go, the go truck, on his way. I assume maybe well, it's cottage cheese yeah. by the time. He gets <laughs> Certainly <laughs> okay. not as much refrigeration As they have now. But yeah, you get your warm milk ladled out to you and, you know, pay pay as you go. And this was mostly fine. But yeah, as you say, Dana, there were a lot of disease vectors uh, sourced to milk and sort of this, you know, communal aspect of it. So in 1884, in Potsdam, New York, there was one Dr. Henry Thatcher. And uh, he was out about the town one day and he noticed the milkman uh, coming up to the side of the street to do a delivery. So the milkman wagon pulls up. and And as the milkman's busy with a customer, uh, Henry Thatcher notices a little girl. She dropped her doll, like her rag doll, into the can of milk. And so... The milkman kind of, you know, fishes it out. Oh, here's your doll, little girl, you know, and then just goes on about his business. Goes on oh, to finish finishing that's his so round.
1: That was the well. The thing is, he got caught that time. But like, who knows? Exactly. What else?
2: exactly? Whoops! Drop
1: the dead rat. Yeah, like, yeah,
3: yep. Just laid it out on this yeah, little rag
2: doll. Who knows what you know? Where? Who knows where, a, where that? A thing little has kid
3: been. has been hanging out with that.
2: <laughs> I Ugh. think fair to say Henry Thatcher's reaction was essentially. Ew. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's, there's got to be a better, better way. way. Yeah. Uh, and he was. He really, this just sort of set him on the course. He's like, this this is crazy that we're that this is how we deliver milk. And there's got to be a more hygienic, more stable way of doing this. And he designed the first milk bottle. I mean, it seems like such a simple thing with now. glass the bottle? The first glass bottle. Okay. He came up with it. There was not such a thing up until this point. There were point. no bottles? There were bottles, but they were for, you know, ink or perfume or... Yeah. I I mean, there were glass bottles, but nobody distributed milk in this way. You either lived on a farm and got it yourself, or you had the milkman come out and ladle it out to you. Oh, Man, so he designed it himself. There was no pre-existing thing. He came mm-hmm. up with you know, you know. I mean, if you, if you saw it today, portion. you would you would recognize it as a milk bottle. But he had to have it specially made. I mean, there was nobody close by that could do it. He eventually found a manufacturer to to make his glass milk jars, milk bottles, and like so many other inventions we've talked about on the show. He had a hard time getting people to adopt mm, it right yeah, away. Yeah. I mean, it was just one more process, one kind of bulky thing. Yeah, and then there was the whole. Was s-
1: his vision? the milkman would distribute the milk in the bottle or that the bottles are given out to... Uh, families and people who live in the cities and have them catch the milk.
2: That's a good question. Now, his idea was like he would deal with the, the the dairy farms and the milk dealers. So he would go to the milk dealer and say, "Here, I'll sell you X number of bottles." You put the milk and in. and you sell the milk yeah. in it, and you you know Got presumably yeah. raise your rates a little bit to offset the cost. He also wanted some royalties for it, it. Um, and it was a tough sell at first. He had he had a tough time getting some of the some of his first customers. Um, and you know, I mean, to be honest, his earliest earliest designs they weren't quite. Perfected yet. You know, they had like wooden plugs and so they leaked a little bit. You know, no one was really sure like the ideal way to transport them. Yeah. He had one customer who but you know he spilled so much milk that he had to go back to his uh oh. you know, he had to go back and refill them again. Uh one of his initial customers uh <laughs> wrote him a letter and said, My dear doctor, you must think a man is a fool to be driving around the streets with milk and glass bottles. It is a failure and will never amount to anything.
1: I- well, wow. I can see that though. I you
3: got to have the holder. The, the milk bad bottle. Yeah, holder. you need the yeah. tray.
2: You need the yeah. tray. And, you know, as actually the the lid was a big improvement. He finally settled on uh, before too long, it was like just like a a, a paper disc, like a little waxed paper disc. They'd stick inside the lip of the bottle. And so, yeah, it did eventually catch on once he kind of got the design perfected and realized, like, you know, as we're getting a little bit more modernizing, you know, moving into the 1900s, people kind of liked the idea of a glass bottle. It It, yeah. it seemed more sanitary because it was more sanitary. Yeah. But by the 1950s, it was the square wax carton started to take over. It makes sense why, if you're, you know, a milk dealer, like it's lighter, it's cheaper. Uh, if if it mm-hmm. drops, it's not going to break and shatter yeah. and get glass all over the place. Uh, but the first the first milk square milk cartons had some problems. The first problem was they were they were hand folded, hand glued. You know, they were coated in paraffin wax. Yeah. And related to this, the other problem was they would deliver them to the milk dealers and the dairy farmers pre-pre-made, so they were already formed. You just had to put the milk in uh, and then seal them up. And you can imagine, like that, takes up a lot of space to yeah, have all it's these all cartons, air. right? It's cartons of its air. all a wasted space and slow. So of course, leave it to another industrious American, uh, John Van Warmer, had the patent on what we would recognize now as uh, the, the 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 forerunner to the modern square milk carton. He called it the Pure Pack. P-A-K, of course, uh-huh. uh, and he solved the two main problems. One is that he had developed machinery to assemble and fold the, the cartons together, and he struck, struck on the idea of, I'll deliver them flat. You know, Mm. the same way, like at a pizzeria, they've got all the boxes flat and they'll fold them, you know, a little bit at a time. And that really solved the problem. You know, this was like, you know, the late 20s uh, when he kind of came up with this process. Mm. By the 1950s, he was making 20 million cartons a day.
1: Wow. Oh. Okay.
3: Yeah. Probably probably a lot of money. (laughs) A lot of money. Oh, yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and that was really kind of the big switch over from glass bottles. And, you know, I mean, we've talked about on the show, like, kind of the rise of supermarkets. That played a part as well. But the cartons, you know, again, they have the major advantages. They're thinner, they're lighter, they're cheaper. Here's the one biggest advantage of all. You can store more milk. In a square carton then, around. then a round carton for the same amount of width on a shelf or a truck or wherever, mm-hmm. you can get more in there. And for something that people are buying so frequently, it just made more sense for them to be able to store more and more and more. Really, the only other major innovation to that, you know, since the 1950s was when they the started cap. putting the cap.
1: The screw cap.
3: That's right.
2: For those of you who are too lazy to fold back the pieces of the carton. So that was a dicey
3: proposition. Like, sometimes that thing would get shredded. Yeah, You would do it
1: perfectly and it would not. Yeah, and then yeah. your milk
2: pours lopsided, yeah.
1: <laughs> or like you throw it too hard. It's like a bad
2: infomercial, setting you white. up for failure. Like, <laughs> wow. Or you do yeah. like you're like you open the wrong side, yeah. you know? Because there was a right side to open and a wrong side. Yeah. 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 And then it's just all like ragged paper, and it gets all soggy and gross. Yep. Yeah. But aside from the cap, they they don't line them with with paraffin wax anymore. You know, they'll use mm. either foil or you know polyurethane or something yeah. like that. That's about the only yeah. other major wow. in- improvement yeah
3: they took the pictures off of them
2: the kids oh do they they don't do yeah. that anymore they don't
3: do that anymore oh the missing children awards? yeah awards really because now there are better ways to find out <laughs> the internet life. yeah <laughs> yes,
2: because the internet yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> that's true <laughs> So that's our episode, our dairy episode. I know we just skimmed the surface of the world <laughs> of dairy. Uh, obviously, we talk about food a lot on yeah. the show. So yes. it'll, it'll come back up, uh, whether we're talking about butter or yogurt. Or We talked about yogurt before. We talked about yeah. yogurt
2: shampoo. We have. We have. Yep, and yep. the buttermilk. Yep.
1: Buttermilk shampoo <laughs> as well. Yeah. Who knew that there'd be dairy connections in our bathroom episode? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned a lot about cheese, about slow jams, about (laughs) uh, how how to milk mice. Yeah. And you can find our show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and on our website, goodjobbrain.com. Thanks to our sponsor, Audible. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.